Um, I'll give you just a couple recap on who we're who. Um, and we are so grateful for that. I want to say first and foremost, thank you for being faithful tonight. Pastor's not here. He wouldn't know if you weren't here. But you're in your place tonight. And thank you for being faithful tonight. Um, I'm grateful to be here as well. Um, I wish we could be here more often. Uh, it doesn't always work out like that, being on the road and whatnot. But I am grateful to be here with you this evening. And what a blessing it is to be here in church tonight. Uh, you know what? We ought not take it for granted that we can be in church tonight. You know what? You could be in a hospital bed tonight. You could be in a casket tonight. I just left, and that's where this message is going to stem from tonight, but just left Florida, and we buried my aunt just Monday. You know what? God's really played some impact on my life just this week. You know what? There's other places we could be tonight, but praise God, we get to be in church but as I said, we are the Bushies, uh, my wonderful wife back there, and we multiply every time we get to come back. Uh, God talks about multiplication, not addition, folks. Uh, he wants to multiply you. He wants to multiply so many things. So uh, our family is growing more and more each and every day, it seems like. I know they're growing in size, but they're growing in number, too. And so Lord's blessed us. Recently, we added Brightland to the equation. And for those of you who don't know all our children, it's Bentley, Bella, Bronx, Blaze, Boaz, Brightland. And so uh, you want a mouthful, come to my house and we can talk uh, because I give you a mouthful. So anyways, but we are, we're, we're serving with Rock of Ages. And so we go into the prisons and God has blessed that tremendously. Um, I'll give you just a little recap what's, what's transpired. Last year, we got to travel about 50,000 miles. I think we were in somewhere around 20, 25 states last year. And so God allowed us to travel the nation, be able to be all the way out on the West Coast, uh, live in a motorhome for a little while. And I had a few people say, you've, you've put your motorhome up for sale. Yes, we found out motorhome's not for us. Uh, it took a little while to figure that out, but we figured that out. But anyways, God blessed, and we were able to get into a lot of different places last year. I think the biggest prison I got into last year was about 4,000 individuals. Um, they have to take a golf cart to transfer you around the, the facility. It's that big. Um, there was men, women, children, all in that facility. Uh, God bless. We've seen people saved there. And then we got to travel out a few other places, went to a couple different revivals here in the state and then outside the state. But God just began to work and began to do a great work uh, through us and in us, I guess to say. And we're grateful for that. And then uh, in December, December was awesome. So I actually got to, our support's got high enough now. Um, I, think, I think we're at 97% now. And so only God can do that through COVID. Um, through COVID, remind you, when, oh, when nothing's happening, God's not calling nobody. That's hogwash. Throw that in the, in the trash can because that ain't true. Uh, God's still calling people. The gospel still works. Folks, y'all were here during March. I got to watch a little bit of it, but y'all were here during March. Y'all know the fact of the matter, God's still working on hearts. Some of you wouldn't be here had that uh, not transpired there in March. But uh, needless to say, um, we were able, I was able to go full-time now into the prisons. And so we went in December. And I started going up to uh, Mountain City, Tennessee. It's about a two-hour drive from here, and I make that trip uh, at least three days a week, drive up there and drive back home. So I'm getting four hours on the road. Guess what? I get a lot of podcast time. Uh, so I get to listen to a lot of preaching, and it's good. I get a lot of time with the Lord. Uh, but we got to start going in up there. And because it was December, they do something special up there. Uh, they begin to try to minister to the inmates in a different way. We have gifts for them. We have snacks for them. And anyways, that was really neat. I think in three days, we got to 450 inmates and 400 officers in three days. And that was such a blessing to be able to do that. Um, I personally had never got to be in maximum as much as I am now. I get to be in the maximum side of the prison now. And that, that will change your viewpoint on some things. 
Some of you folks have been in with me before and you've been to Wilkes with me and I'm still going in there. A matter of fact, I'm in there next Tuesday night, uh, but it's real laid back. You know, everybody comes out, everybody's got a lot of freedom. Well, when you get into Max, they're in a five by 10. There's a little glass, little glass, you can see them in there and they can't hear you very well. So you got to walk up to the crack of the door and you pretty much have to yell through that for them to hear you and you to hear them. Uh, but it was an amazing thing. Second day we were in there, second day uh, back in December when we walked in those doors and was in the maximum side, uh, there was a young man that wanted to know about Jesus. And as we began to talk to him, he said, I want to know more. Oh, that young man bent over there, and I wish I could have took a picture for you, but he bent over there at his cot. He's just got a little old cot there. He bent over at his cot, and he asked the Lord to save his dear soul. You know what? It still thrills my heart. It still excites me today. You know what? No prison wall can stop the gospel. I'm reminded so often that the only thing that stops the gospel is us because we don't give it. How will they hear without a preacher? How will they hear? And so God's really just uh, stirred in my heart. And so it was a blessing to be there. Got, um, I'm, I'm heading up the discipleship there at the prison. I've been doing that. Get to preach in the chapel. We've got so many opportunities. And uh, Lord willing, next month I'll drive down to Alabama. Uh, we'll be in either 10 or 11. I, I don't know the actual number. It's either 10 or 11 prisons. Over the course of a week, there'll be about 100, 150 volunteers come down there, and we'll go into as many prisons um, and be in there all day long. But Lord willing, y'all pray for us. They call that the Alabama Blitz, and some of you might have heard about that before, but they call it Alabama Blitz, and Lord willing, we'll be down there next month if nothing stops us uh, from getting there. But the Lord's still working, and we're really excited about it. Uh, if you want to get locked up, I'll help you. Uh, I tell folks all the time, uh, if you go in with me, you get to come out. But if you don't go in with me, I can't help you out. And so uh, anyways, th there's so many security protocols now. It's an amazing thing on what you have to do to get into a prison. Uh, you mess up, they get you in there pretty quick. But it's sobering too because we were leaving the other night and there was a, a group that had, they were doing a, um, they had a Christmas program and they had a lot of guys, I think they said they had 28 saved that night. And I don't know the group, I don't know all what they're doing or anything, so I don't com commend or condone them. Uh, but anyways, they were leaving out the door as we were leaving out the door. And so we're at the uh, control center and we're trying to get out. And while we're trying to get out, the officer behind the glass said, it'll be a little bit. He said, I've got an ambulance to get out of here. And it was just so sobering to me. Because there's people leaving in ambulances every single day. Had that individual heard of the gospel? I come to find out the very next day that individual had a stroke that day. You know what? They were heading to the hospital. And so it was sobering and it's still sobering to me today. You know what? You can have it all or you can have nothing. But without Jesus, you absolutely have nothing. And so I'm just grateful tonight that what God's allowing us to do. I don't want to take a whole lot of time telling you about what's going on, but I want you to pray with us. I want you to pray for us. Uh, God's been working on our heart, and some of you already know this. Others of you, this may come as a surprise. But Lord willing, we'll be moving uh, later this year. Uh, we'll be moving out to Phoenix. And we've been praying about that and praying about that. And I was on the phone with the bank yesterday. I was on the phone with realtors yesterday, trying to get some stuff in motion and just praying that we would go in God's timing. Can I, can I just reiterate, it's God's timing, not ours. Um, I don't want to get ahead of God. Me and Kristen have said many times, we already want to be out there. We already want to be going in. Uh, but due to some things going on right now, they wouldn't let me in if I got out there right now. So it would be a waste of time, but I'm getting to be serving here, and so I'm grateful for that. But um, needless to say, I want you to pray for us. I do thank you for those that prayed for us. I got a tremendous doctor's report yesterday, and I'm so glad. That's one doctor down. I got two more to go to, but one doctor down. So uh, I was glad the report they gave me yesterday. I go to another one next Friday, and then I've got a brand new one I've got to see next month. 
I had some issues happen in November. If I can say this, and, and I mean this, and we've learned this, is spend time with your family and don't try to be in a hurry. Uh, if you get in a hurry, you will pay for it sooner or later. And I think that's part of the reason I'm having some issues is because I've run wide open. I don't know how to slow down. And so God's slowing me down. Uh, but needless to say, pray for us and pray that God would lead us in the direction of where to go, when to be there, and not to get ahead of him. Uh, we want to see souls saved, but folks, it's not all about, as Brother uh, Malucci was here the other day, it's not all just about winning souls. You know what? We're supposed to be doing what God's called us to do. And folks, Jeremiah, we don't see a single convert, but yet he was doing what God told him to do. You know what? We've just got to be consistent. We've got to be faithful. And so, um, like I say, I appreciate your faithfulness tonight. I want you, uh, I've got, it's up on the screen tonight, and I appreciate Brother Brandon. I want to say this before I go any further. Brother Brandon reached out to me. He said, can I make you a slide? I said, you sure can, because I can't. And so he made a slide for me tonight, and I'm grateful for that. But uh, as it's got on the slide tonight, if you flip over to 1 Kings chapter 13, you've probably already found your place there. We're just going to look at a passage of scripture tonight, and with the Lord's help, uh, I want to preach on a thought tonight that God has given me. Uh, like I say, it was reiterated to me this week while we were at, in the funeral and just the Lord really began to work on my heart about this subject. But I want you to, uh, if you would, stand with me as we read the Word of God, as we open up here. We're going to go to 1 Kings chapter number 13. We're starting verse number 11. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. The words which he had spoken unto the king, them they told also to their father. And their father said unto them, What way went he? For his sons had seen what way the man of God went, which came from Judah. And he said unto his sons, Saddle me the ass. So they saddled him the ass, and he rode thereon, and went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that camest camest from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said unto him, Come home with me, and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, or go in with thee. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. For it, is said, for it was said to me by the word of the Lord, Thus shalt thou, thou shalt eat no bread, nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. And he said unto him, I am a prophet also as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread." And drink water, but he lied unto him. So he went back with him, and he did eat bread in his house and drink water. And it came to pass, as they sat at the table, that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that brought him back. And he cried unto the man of God from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, for as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back and, eat, and hast eaten bread and drunk water in the place. Of which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread and drink uh, no water. Thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulchre of thy fathers. And it came to pass, after he had eaten bread and after he had drunken, that he saddled for him the ass, to wit, for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way. And the ass stood by it 
and the lion stood by the, carca by the carcass. Y'all may be seated. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here tonight. God, what an honor and what a privilege, Lord, to be back uh, with Calvary, to be back with our home church, Lord, to be back with familiar faces. God, I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for always the warm welcome. Lord, I thank you for the hospitality. I thank you for the friendships that I've had and built over the years. God, some of these people have been so influential in our lives that, Lord, I can't say enough thank yous for that and tell them how grateful I am. Lord, I'm thankful for a pastor tonight, Lord. Pastor Pope has been influential in my life. And, Lord, as we preach on this subject tonight, God, he's made an impact in my life. And, Lord, I just thank you tonight for his family. Lord, I thank you for his dear wife, Lord, for his children. And, God, I pray, Lord, you'd bless them as they travel, as they're uh, out and about. Lord, enjoying some time apart. God, I have to believe it was Pastor Pope said it to me first, Lord. First time I ever heard it is we must come apart before we come apart. And Lord, I'm grateful, Lord, for that time where we get to get away. But Lord, I'm thankful to be in church tonight. God, I'm thankful to be around some folks tonight, Lord. But most importantly, Lord, I'm thankful that I'm saved. Lord, had it not been for Jesus Christ, Lord, back in March of 2008, I'd been a sinner on the way to hell. And I thank you, Lord, for coming by my way, transforming my life. And God, I pray tonight, Lord, that uh, through your word, Lord, you would speak to hearts, familiar passages of scripture to many. And Lord, I pray you'd give them something fresh, something new tonight. God, I pray that you'd challenge us, that you'd encourage us. Lord, I pray that most importantly, Lord, we just worship you. Lord, we love you and thank you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to preach on this subject tonight. What kind of impact will you have? I read this, and I thought it was fitting for the su subject at hand tonight. A mother took her young son shopping. After a day in the stores, the clerk handed the little boy a lollipop. What do you say, the mother said to the boy? He replied, charge it. <laughs> I'm glad y'all got that. Some people don't get that one. Uh, but needless to say, I want to preach on what kind of impact will you have. An impact is a, the effect or influence of one person, thing, or action on another. Can I start off by asking you a question this, this evening? Who is it that you will have an impact on today? Who is it that you've had an impact on today? Whether you realize it or not, you're having an impact on the community right now. You know, when people ride by and they see your car here, they know you're at church. You know what? The family members who didn't come tonight, who should have came tonight, and I'm not saying people that aren't part of the church, I'm saying people in your household, you know what, that you've tried to get them to come to church, and they won't come to church. They know where you're at tonight. You're having an impact on them. Um, it's often, it, it used to be when we first got saved, we'd often get a phone call on a Wednesday night. We'd often get a phone call on a Sunday because, you know what, before we were saved, we were out living like the world. But come those times, people knew we were in church. I don't get phone calls. People, family members and lost people don't call me during those time periods because people know where I'm at. But who is it you'll have an impact on? I thought about this. Maybe it's the person beside you. Maybe it's the person you live with. What about the person you work beside? What about a child? More specifically, what about your child? What about your spouse? A family member? A friend? There's countless people that you will encounter each and every day and you will leave an impact on, for good or for bad. I read a poem and it said this. It said, my life shall touch a dozen lives before the day is done. Leave countless marks for good or ill. Air sets the evening sun. This is the wish I always wish, the prayer I always pray. Lord, may my life help others. It touches by the way. Is that your prayer tonight? 
Do you want to help someone? Do you want to be the right kind of impact? Because whether you realize or not, you're going to impact somebody. I almost titled this The Power of Influence tonight because we're going to influence people whether we realize it or not. We're always influencing one another. When you're being faithful here tonight, you're influencing someone else, someone that's like, I just don't know if I could have made it tonight. I just don't know if I've got the strength to go. I don't know if I can do it. And then they see you, they're like, man, I'm sure glad I came tonight. I'm sure glad that I put forth the effort tonight. I'm sure glad that I put in and was able to come. So tonight, I just want to be a positive impact on you. But truly, more than anything else, and uh, to make a difference, we're going to have to look at the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit's going to have to help us tonight. And so I thought about some different things, and this is just all by way of introduction. I thought about uh, what's one of the biggest impacts on our lives? I thought to myself, food. Isn't that one of the biggest impacts? Uh, for me personally, being type 1 diabetic, Food is very impactful. If I eat the wrong things, I'm in the hospital. If I eat the right things, I'm doing good. And if I don't take care of it, yet again, I could be, I could be in the hospital. But I thought about food. But, but more specifically, I thought about more than just food. I thought about the places that we eat at. When I go to a restaurant, and we often do, we travel a lot. Uh, just this week, I don't know how many miles we've put on the vehicle just this week. Um, our van we bought, and uh, I think it had like a hundred or it had thirty some odd thousand miles on it. It's got like hundred and fifty on it now in two years. Uh, we've been doing a little bit of traveling, uh, but when we go into a restaurant, we're often met by the greeter or by the hostess at the entryway, and then again you're met by the waiter or waitress, and then sometimes the manager may come by and check on you, and so you you meet the front end manager. And even sometimes, depending on what restaurant you're at, you may even have a chef or you may have a cook come out and talk to you about the meal. But then lastly, you meet that greeter, that hostess again as you're walking out the door as they say bye to you. Uh, I know we were in a restaurant this week and we went in and it was after service. It was Sunday night is actually when it was. We went in, we were looking for somewhere to go eat and when we got out of church, I know I, I like to talk. So <laughs> I'm one of the last ones out of the church so I'm looking for somewhere still open. So we found somewhere, we went in. And uh, we spent about five or ten minutes in there, and the hostess was so rude. I just told Kristen, we're not going to spend money here. So we got up, and we went down the road about a half mile and found somewhere else to go eat. Uh, because that's how big of an impact it has on me. You know what? That shows a lot when you walk through that door. You know what? When you greet people at the door, you know what? That means a lot. I think back to the reason that I believe the whole reason that I stayed at Calvary is because when I walked through that, down at the little church, when I walked through the door, Pastor Pope remembered my name. That just caught me off guard, folks. I had never met anybody that cared enough to remember my name. We go into churches now, churches that support us and don't even know who we are. You say, how does that happen? Well, they support a lot of people. It's not that they don't care, they just support a lot of people and they can't remember everybody's name. But we were in a church in Virginia just uh, in, in November and they come up to us and were telling me my kids' names. And that meant so much to me because they were praying specifically for my children. But so often, everywhere, when we go places, whether it be a restaurant, I thought about this. What about a grocery store? Each and every one of us has to get groceries. When you go into a grocery store, uh, you know what? It's going to have an impact on you. I'm thinking on food tonight. I'm not hungry, though, but I'm thinking on food tonight. Uh, but I thought about this. When you go into a, a grocery store, you know what? There's some places I specifically will not go. There's some grocery stores I don't go into. You say, why would you not go into them? Well, they've had an impact on me. Some are too high. I can't afford what they got on the shelves. Uh, if you're like us, we walked into the mall the other day. We walked in, and I said, Kristen, look at those pair of shoes. She showed me a nice blazer. The blazer was $1,400. I walked in. I said, oh, there's some shoes. They were Versace, and I didn't even say that right. I looked at those shoes, $965. 
I said, I wouldn't even put them on to go wear them outside. I mean, I was just mind blown. We were just walking through. We were, we were going to the mall and while we were down in Florida. And anyways, it was just mind blowing to me. But uh, needless to say, some places are high. I've been in stores that are dirty. We don't go back to those. Uh, I've been places where they're rude. We don't go back to those. You know what? And you've all experienced this if you've made a phone call here lately. Uh, customer service is at its poorest level we've ever had. You get on the telephone with somebody and you get so frustrated and you're trying to keep a good witness and you're so frustrated because they don't care. And it's evident they don't care. Um, but needless to say, you're going to have an impact on people that you're around. I recently preached up at, at, at Wilkes is where I preached it last. I preached uh, a title of a message. I called it God Chooses Men. I preached it in 1 Kings chapter 11 on uh, Solomon and the impact his wife's had on him. You know, Solomon was a great man. I was reading just today, going through and just doing some study today, and Solomon was not only the wisest, but the richest man. He had it all. I mean, when you begin to go through chapter number 10 and chapter number 9 and chapter number 10 of 1 Kings, you begin to see all the splendor that Solomon had. He had it all. And then you get into chapter number 11. He had some wives, plural, and a whole lot of wives, and they begin to impact his view on life. They begin to impact his worship. They begin to impact him. But I'm just on that thought tonight. What kind of impact will you have? Uh, Solomon was so, was so messed up from those that were impacting him that he made poor decisions. And God said, I'm not going to use Solomon no more. I've got another king. And I'm paraphrasing all this because I want to get to the, to the actual message tonight. just want to give you a little context. But God would choose Jeroboam in uh, 1 Kings chapter number 11. He would choose Jeroboam. He wouldn't choose Rehoboam, actual Solomon's son. He would choose Jeroboam. Jeroboam was not a man of the lineage of David. Jeroboam was not of the king's family. He did not rightfully deserve that spot. But God saw fit. God said, I'm going to put this man in this place, and as long as he falls after me, he'll do a good job. So after the death of Solomon, his son Rehoboam would take over in the king's position, but he would cause hardship, and you can find that in chapter 12, verse number 15, hardship upon the people. And when he did, Israel would respond. Israel responded in chapter 12, verse number 20, and said, we're making Jeroboam the king. Well, God had already planned all that. God already had all that set in order, and that's how it was going to work out. Well, if you fast forward to the end of chapter number 12, you find Jeroboam is trying to do a good thing. Jeroboam now has twelve tri or 10 tribes of the 12. He doesn't have Dan, and he doesn't have Judah. They left Judah because David... The lineage of David had to carry on, and God had already promised David, so Judah was left untouched, and so Rehoboam was over Judah, and then uh, um, Benjamin would follow in behind. But needless to say, he had ten tribes that he was overseeing. And he was scared, as you read through chapter number 12, towards the end of it, you'll find out, he was scared that if the people went back to worship, that they would leave him and start following Rehoboam. So he said, what we're going to do is we're going to set up two altars. We're going to set up one in Bethel, and we're going to set up one in Dan. And they were not godly altars because he made two calves. So he set up one calf over here and he set up one calf over here. And when he set those calves up, he says, now folks, this is who brought you up out of Egypt. I think back to Aaron. Now you tell me, I still ain't figured this one out yet. I don't know how you take some earrings off, throw it in the fire, and all of a sudden a calf jumps out. But Aaron said that's what happened. That's what he told Moses. Uh, so needless to say, I'm guessing that's what happened here too. All of a sudden two calves jumped out. God was multiplying. I don't know being a little facetious there. But here we got uh, Jeroboam. He sets up these idols. He sets up these calves for them to worship. They begin to go and they begin to worship. 
And as I read through Scripture, and as I read the actual words that were put down, in verse number 30 of chapter number 12, it says, And this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before one, even unto Dan. He thought he was doing a good thing, and so often we'll try to think we're doing a good thing, but without the Lord we can do nothing. And so he was doing a good thing, it would seem like, but it's, it's interesting as you finish out chapter number 12, you find out that Jeroboam, while doing a good thing, he missed the best thing. He left God out of the whole equation. He brought sin upon the people of Israel. In actuality, he went from bad to worse while he thought he was doing something good. But people were watching him. He was having an impact on Israel. Can I remind you tonight that God still hates sin? Proverbs 16, pastor preached this just the other day. Proverbs 16, verse number 16. These, three, these six things doeth the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that divides wicked imaginations. Feet that uh, be swift in running to mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brother. Proverbs chapter number 8, verse number 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, in the evil way. In the forward mouth do I hate. Psalm chapter number 11, verse number 5. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked, and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Did you know tonight that God hates sin so much? Or how much does God hate sin? I could rephrase that. Isaiah chapter number 59, verse number 2. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. He said, Brother Justin, where are you going? We're talking about an impact. Yes, we're going to get to that in just a moment. But we've got to build this. We've got to figure out where we're going tonight. We've got to look into Scripture and see how God would uh, use this tonight. Because of this, God calls on a man of God to bring word to King Jeroboam. And that's where we're getting to tonight. Chapter number 13 starts off with a man of God. We're not list we don't know his name. We don't have a clue what his name is. Isn't that interesting? I like how God does that. Your name doesn't matter. Only his name matters, folks. We're so big wanting to put our name up in big lights. Oh, it's got to be all about me. Folks, I don't care if you remember my name. I don't care if you remember my family's name. You know what matters is that you remember the name of Jesus. I can't get you to heaven tonight, but God surely can. And it just reminds me so often, as we read this scripture and as we look through this scripture, we see that God speaks through this man. I'm going to read a few verses for you tonight. Verse thir chapter 13, verse number 1. And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, O altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto thee, uh, be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name. And unto thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burnt incense unto thee and men's bones shall burn upon it. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord hath spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. It's an amazing thing. I can see Jeroboam. He walks up. So he's walking along. He comes up to Jeroboam's there. He's going to offer incense there. And all of a sudden, the man of God walks up. They're both standing at the altar. And I've thought about this, and maybe you're more educated and figured this one out, but I don't know that he ever even looked at him. Because he speaks to the altar. Now he's speaking to Jeroboam, but he's speaking to the altar. Jeroboam's listening. And so he's sitting there speaking to the altar, and he's saying, bad times are coming. There's another man going to come up. He's going to get rid of all these priests. And uh, you know what? He's going to put their bones, he's going to put them upon the altar and burn them. And of course, uh, of course, Jeroboam here, he realizes, hey, he's not just talking about something. He's talking about me. 
And he begins to realize that some things were about to change. He gave a prophecy in verse number three, gets fulfilled in verse number five. It's pretty amazing how God would do that. Uh, but needless to say, we find out that there's a man that steps onto the scene and is going to have an impact. And he's going to be impacted. But so tonight, I just want to preach on this thought just for a few minutes. What kind of impact will you have? Just got three short points tonight. And with the Lord's help, uh, I'll preach fast. You listen fast and we'll get through it fast. Uh, but needless to say, I want you to look at point number one first. I want you to think on this. We see a direct impact. Notice that the prophet had a direct impact on the king. Verse number four, And it came to pass when the king Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar in Bethel. Now he's listening. He's there. He's hearing him speak over here. That he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him, and his hand, which he put forth against him, dried up so that he could not pull it back to him again. It's pretty interesting that as we read this, we see in verse number three, we begin to see the prophecy. Then we, as we'll get further into it, we'll see in verse five, we see that it was fulfilled just in a matter of just a moment here. But we see that the direct impact not only affected the king, but it also affected his physicality. He went to put his hand forth against the man of God. Can I just say this? Beware against speaking against the man of God. You may not agree with him. You may not even like him, but don't speak against him. First Chronicles chapter number 16, verse 22, saying, touch not mine anointed and do to my prophets no harm. I thought about Isaiah or Elijah and second Kings chapter two, verse number 23. And he went out from thence unto Bethel. And as he was going up uh, by the way, there came forth little children, little children now out of the city. And mocked him and said unto him, Go up, thou bald head. Go up, thou bald head. And he, returned, and he turned back and looked on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she-bears out of the wood and tear forty and two children of them. Now these were kids. God's no respecter of persons, folks. Don't speak against God's anointing. You know what? The king would soon find that out. And he did when his hand withered up. But it's an amazing thing because verse number six says, and now can you just imagine this? He's speaking against the king. He's sitting there throwing his hand up or against the prophet and he's throwing his hand up. And in verse number six, he realized, hey, my hands done got withered up here. Um, the king, and it says, verse six, and the king answered and said unto the man of God, entreat now the face of the Lord thy God and pray for me. You know what? I spoke against you, but please pray for me. You know what? I'm asking for your forgiveness. I'm asking for your mercy is what he's saying here that my hand may be restored me again. And the man of God besought the Lord. Isn't that wonderful that he forgave him? He didn't just hold that against him. He spoke against him, but he didn't hold it against him. It says, and the king's hand was restored him again and became as it was before. He forgave him. It's an amazing thing. But he had a direct impact on the king. The king, uh, the king could have and should have done some other things, but yet he didn't. He spoke against the man of God. We see the direct impact on the king. I thought about this as I was reading, as I was studying. He had a direct impact on another man, the man that we begin to read about tonight. There's what we would call the old prophet, as Scripture says here tonight. Um, it says now in verse number 11, now there, there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel. Now, I don't know. I, I've looked it up, and I've done some studying on it. I don't know if this man was up in age. Or I don't know if he had the touch of God on him and he don't have it no more. It would seem the latter. It would seem at one point in time he had the touch of God and he didn't no more. But needless to say, this, this, this older prophet, this old prophet would have an impact 
on the younger prophet. And not only that or this man of God, but the man of God would have an impact on him. As you continue to read verses number 17 or verse 11 through 17, the old prophet would meet this young prophet and invite him to come back to his home. But it's interesting because in verse number 18, where the story changes, where everything begins to unfold, literally, like I said, I could have wrote the power of influence because that's what I wrote beside this verse here. He said unto him, I am a prophet as thou art. So you know what? He was one of him. If I can say it like that, he was a Christian as he was a Christian. But he goes on to say something else. He says, and an angel spoken to me by the word, <laughs> just by the word of the Lord. And it's just interesting as you read that, because I, I circled these words in my Bible, an angel spoke, an angel spoke. Can I just stop right here just for a minute and realize, and get, maybe, you've, maybe you've seen it, maybe as we've been reading, you've already seen it. God was speaking directly to the man of God. Now, all of a sudden, somebody else comes on into the scene and says, you know what? An angel spoke to me and told me what, to, what you need to be doing. Dear friends, an angel is not up there with God. And yet, he made a poor decision. He was impacted by this other man of God. He said, he, he's just like I am. He's a prophet too. I'm going to believe what he has to say. How quickly and how easily we forget what God tells us to do when we're talking to that individual, when we're trying to reach out to someone, when we're trying to keep our testimony in check, it's easy to lose that. I don't know how often you drive the roads, but just ride around on the roads a little bit. You lose your testimony real quick. I was mind blown as we, we drove down uh, south just this past week. I was mind blown by how many people are on the road now. I don't care where you go. It's just flooded with cars. I drove home uh, Monday night. We, got, we pulled in our house a little bit after two in the morning. And there were still people all over the road. I was just mind blown by that. It's just, it's just crazy. But we have to be careful about how, uh, keeping our uh, testimony. Going back to this angel, going back to where this, this man, who we know according to verse number 18, it says, it says clearly, but he lied unto him. But I want to I I touch on that just for a moment. What about this angel? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 says, for such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. 1 John chapter 4 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Galatians chapter number 1, verse number 8 says, But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which, you, than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so I say uh, now again. If any man preach any gospel unto you than that you have received, let him now be accursed. I'm just saying tonight, you know what? If an angel had spoke to him, didn't mean it was an angel of the Lord. You know what? He, got, he was getting it directly from the horse's mouth, per se. He was getting it directly from God. Why would he go somewhere else? What would, what, why would he, he be impacted so greatly by another man, by another person? You know what? Be careful what you say. You can mislead another Christian, especially somebody real young in the faith. Go back and read the scripture before you say, oh, well, go on, go quote these scriptures. 
You know what? I like to carry my Bible with me so I can take them to it. When we walk around in those prison cells, I don't go around saying, this is, this is what I have to say. I walk around with my Bible in my hand. This is what the Word of God has to say. Dear friend, if you've got a Bible, let's flip to that page. Let's look at it. Because what I have to say won't, won't matter in the end. But what God has to say surely will. So we see a direct impact. He directly impacted the king. He directly impacted this prophet and vice versa. This prophet impacted him. But I continue to read and I thought about this and I just seen this today as I was studying. Look down with me at verse number 25. I had never paid attention to this. It says, well, go back up to 24 and then we'll get down to 25. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way and the ass stood by it. And the lion also stood by the carcass. And behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way and the lion standing by the carcass. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. Notice something at the beginning of that verse number 25. And behold, men passed by. So not only was the king impacted, not only was the prophet impacted, the old prophet, but now other people are walking by this corpse. He was dead and he was still having an impact on people. I've been some places before and God's allowed us to meet with a lot of different people. But one thing I've, I've, I got to experience a uh, year before last, we had our national conference up in Northfield, Massachusetts. It's the home of D.L. Moody. We went there to the auditorium and that's where he held our conference. Ira Sankey led that choir up there a hundred and some years ago. You know what, D.L. Moody preached on that platform. And I thought, what power, you know, what a place we get to be in. They asked us on Thursday before we were leaving, they said, they asked a bunch of preachers, they said, y'all want to preach? We're going to do popcorn preaching. I said, yes, sir, I'm up for it. Popcorn preaching means you get about five minutes. You just let her rip. You get one point and you just nail it down. And so we got to get up there and we got to do popcorn preaching. And I thought, what an honor, what a privilege to preach on the same place that Neil Moody had. But what an opportunity at the same time. But let me tell you this, that had a direct impact on my life. You know what? This had a direct impact on others' lives. This one man so first off, I want you to see not only a direct impact, but let me, let me, let me go, before I go on to the next one, let me say this. Uh, it was pretty interesting, though, uh, and it was a miracle in itself, what we just read there. Did you catch that? Uh, and this is kind of chasing a rabbit, but it's interesting, and we'll get to this in a second. But it says, and his carcass was cast in the way, and the ass stood by it, and the lion stood also by the carcass. I've, I've just tried to envision that and really picture that, because we'll get more into that in a second. But can you just envision that the man, of God, uh, the man of God is laying there dead. The ass or the donkey, whatever you want to call it, is standing right there. And the lion's standing on the other side. And that lion has not ate that person, ate that man. I thought about this. This is the full meal right there. There's the ass. He can get a full meal. And then he can have a snack right there, that man laying there on the ground. But that lion had not touched either one. And people were passing by. I don't know about you, but if a lion ain't in a cage, I ain't passing by it. I ain't getting nowhere near it. Uh, when we traveled down, when we made our trip out west, we traveled down I-20, and that goes across Mississippi, Alabama, into Texas, and we took it all the way till, till almost, uh, well, until we got to Texas. But when we were going down there, I seen, I told Bentley, we're up in that motorhome, we're riding along, and I told Bentley, I said, there was something big black out there. We're riding down, this is middle of, we were in Louisiana when it happened. And anyways, I looked out there, and I didn't have a clue what it was, and I said, we got to do some research. I said, that was a big cat, and that wasn't no house cat. Got looking it up, found out that was a puma. I was like, I wasn't expecting that right here. But got to looking it up, got to doing some research. But you know what? Had I known it was out there, I wouldn't be out there with it. Uh, we were in Florida. I don't get near the water. There's gators there. You know, I just, I, that, that's not me. But 
Needless to say, these individuals were walking by, and yet they were being directly impacted by this man who was dead, this man of God. But first off, we see a direct impact. Secondly, I want you to see this. We see a defying impact. Look down with me at verse number 21. And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, For as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee. It's an interesting thing. All he had to do was be obedient. But that is so hard, is it not? So hard. I mean, it's so we can read the Word of God. We can see the Word of God. But so often we don't want to adhere to the Word of God. Well, I'll take bits and pieces of it and I'll apply it to my life and the rest I'll leave for someone else. Hey, we all do it. Every one of us does it. We'll say, you know what? I'm going to only live by a little bit of like this. It's easy to make other things our idols of. Um, it's easy for us to put other things before God as Jeroboam was already doing and having the people do. He had other things before them. But we see a defying impact. That defying means, uh, to define it, means a refusal. <laughs> I thought about this and I told Brother Brandon, I, my phone, I just switched phones, and when I switched phones, I lost a lot of my pictures. I was going to put a picture with my, with my dreadlocks up there, and uh, y'all probably all got to laugh at that. But I thought about this. I've always had a problem with leadership. I've always been defiant. If someone tells me I cannot do something, I'm going to do it. That's how I've always been driven. And I try to use that for the Lord now. But I've always been driven that way. I can, I've done a lot of foolish things. But I thought about one. I thought about a bad example of that was dreadlocks. My mom told me at age 13, you can't have dreadlocks. I said, mom, I'm going to get dreadlocks. She said, no, you're not. Now I was rebellious. And I said, I'm going to have dreadlocks. So what I did is I didn't cut my hair. And for the next 12 years, I didn't cut my hair. And so I had dreadlocks. But I thought about that. You can also use that, that rebellious attitude and you can use it for good. Uh, back when I got saved, it was easy for me to quit all the drugs and quit all the tobacco and all the drinking, all that. But one thing I had, I had to struggle with was chewing tobacco. I wouldn't want to give that up for nothing. And I remember there was a guy that I worked with and he said, Justin, he said, I need to quit smoking. I said, I need to quit dipping. And I hadn't been saved long. And he said, uh, he said how about you be my accountability partner? I said, okay, and I'll be your accountability partner. He says, every time I want to, want, to, want to smoke, he said, you just remind me not to smoke, and I'll remind you not to dip. I said, okay. And so I, I dropped it out cold turkey, and I praise the Lord. It's been, I can't even tell you how many years ago that's been, as God delivered me from that as well. But you know what? He told me, though, what was interesting about the story, though, is he told me I couldn't do it. He was going to be my accountability partner. He said, you won't be able to do it. It's because he knew he wasn't going to be able to do it, and he wanted me to go in along with him because we were accountability partners. Uh, but I quit, and, and he didn't. And then about a year and a half later, he had a heart attack. And they made him quit. Uh, but needless to say, a defying impact. I know that's probably a poor illustration tonight, but yet, it's a, but yet still, it's defying. It's that refusal. Uh, and this was the man of God's. We read right there in Scripture, it said that he was disobedient. You know what? He was God's spokesman. He was the man that God was using to speak to the people. And yet he was disobedient unto the Lord. And God began to speak to him through that old prophet. He got a new vision. He got to prophesy yet again. Uh, verse number one through three, as the man of God would stand before the king, you know what he said? Thus saith the Lord. Not what I have to say, but thus saith the Lord. God gave the prophet, he gave this, this young prophet, this prophet of whatever age he was, he gave him three simple commandments. They were, in chapter, they were in verse number 8 and 9. They were, again, in verse number 16 and 17. I'll read them for you. It says, The man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, 
I will not go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water in the place. For it was charged me by the word of the Lord, not by an angel, but by the word of the Lord, saying, eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. I wrote this down. You know what? He gave him three simple commands. Don't eat, don't drink, and don't go. They were simple. They weren't like you had to do all this, and you had to perform this, and you had to do that. He said, don't eat there, don't drink there, and don't come in the same way that you, don't leave the same way you came in. It was simple. Before the king, he did it. He said, king, I, ain't, I can't do it. But then he had somebody else who was going to have a bigger impact on him. He had somebody else who was just his equal, I guess to say. And yet he had an impact on him in such a way that this old prophet would say, you know what, there was an angel that told me you're supposed to follow after me. You know what, you're supposed to come into my house. He said, I can't. You remember what he said there in verse number uh, 16 and 17. He goes on to say, and he said, I may not return with thee nor go in with thee. He said, I can't go. God's already told me I can't go. Oh, dear friend, an angel of the Lord told me, you just come on back with me. I'm going to give you something to drink. I'm going to give you something to eat. Uh, you know what? Everything's going to be taken care of. But can I say, uh, without, without, can I say that, I don't know if I'll say this the right way, but can I say that no one knows the specific will of God for your life but, but you and God? People try to speak into your life, and that's good. They want to they help you, and they want to they be there for you. But can I tell you that only God can reveal his will for you. If someone would have told me a long time ago, and people are still trying to tell me now, God wants you here. God wants you here. And I'm like, okay, thank you. But God's already worked on our heart about going out west. It may not be my plan, but it's God's plan. And that's what we need to be in the center of is God's plan. I want to be in the center of God's will. God, through his Holy Spirit, will guide you and show you what he has for you. We have not because we ask not. Well, I don't know what God's will is for me. Have you asked him? Are you praying? Are you fasting? Do you really care? If you do, you'll seek the Lord. But over and over again, God makes it clear through his word. Remember, the prophet was spoken to by the word of God. Something that I've learned in ministry now is we hold on to the word of God, his promises. So when we look at the word of God, we see, uh, God, this is what you've spoken to my life through your word. It's not something that I'm holding on. Well, I feel this way today. I feel that way today. You know what? I wake up, sometimes I feel good. Sometimes I feel bad. Sometimes I just feel all right. You know what? Your feelings are going to change, but the Word of God is not. You know what? We've got to stand upon the Word of God. There was a defying impact. There was a straight disobedience upon the man of God. He said, I'm not going to do it. I know what I've been told. I'm not to go. I'm not to eat. I'm not to drink. He said, I'm going on over there with him. Everything looked good. He's got everything set up right. You know what? We have to be careful on what we do and where we go. Because this man of God didn't follow God's direction, there was a penalty for it, was there not? James 1 and 15 says, Then uh, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. Verse number 24 goes on to say, And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. There was a penalty for his disobedience. Had he just obeyed? Had he just been following the Lord? Instead, he was making a defiant impact. He was defying, uh, he was defying what God wanted him to do. I thought about this. When you're saved, there are certain things that you find out a Christian can do and certain things a Christian can't do. You know what? Uh, when, when you do those things that a Christian can do, God promises blessings, doesn't he? But there's those things that you shouldn't do and a Christian shouldn't do. And according to the word of God, there's a punishment for that and a penalty for that. Romans 6 and 23, for the wages of sin is death. Dear friend, that's a horrible thing to think about tonight, but it's a very true today. 
we made this, we had this conversation. I had a conversation with a pastor uh, this Sunday and my wife, me, and we were talking about it already. But isn't it interesting how people will promote their sin and put it out before you everywhere now? I mean, everywhere you go. Um, I don't care where you go. It's up on billboards. It's, it's literally every other TV commercial today. They're promoting sin more and more. You can't find many TV shows that don't promote sin. Um, and I don't care if it's a kid's show or an adult show. You can't find it out here no more because they're constantly promoting sin. You know what they're doing? They're having a direct impact on you. You say, oh, no, I, 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 I don't. Isn't it, isn't it funny? Um, I don't listen to the same music I used to listen to. But if I walk in somewhere and they're playing something, I just know the song all of a sudden. I catch myself humming that tune. Christmas was just upon us. And those stores, which were very few, that played Christmas music this year, I've never seen something in my entire life where there was no Christmas spirit about it. But as we would go in those stores and we hear Christmas music, all of a sudden start singing it. I love the Christmas time. I start playing Christmas music well before Christmas. I just love it. It just gets me excited. You know what? I like getting stuff. I'll be honest with you. I like getting stuff. I like giving stuff too. You know what? It's better to give than it is to receive. And so I'm grateful for that. But it's an amazing thing as, as we think about this tonight. We think about the direct impact this man of God had on not only the king, on not only this prophet, not only them, but on other people that were passing by. Even after his death, you'll still influence people after you're dead. And that's where this Lord, the Lord began to work on my heart when I was sitting there uh, this week on Monday. And um, I got to take part and I actually got to be part of the funeral. And I, I didn't know if I was going to. It was kind of... Uh, it was out of my hands, and uh, one of the individuals said, hey, we want you uh, to read some of the testimonies. And so it was an amazing thing as I got to read my aunt's and my mom's testimony of their sister. And so that was a really neat thing to be able to do. But I just got to listen, and as my cousin got up there and began to talk about his mom. And y'all have been at funerals before. And you got to hear about the impact that that individual made on their life. You know what? They're dead and gone. And praise the Lord, my aunt's in heaven. But you know what? They're already dead and gone. But they're still having an impact on your life. You know what? You're still having an impact even when you're dead and gone. You say, oh, well, my impact's not going to, it's not going to matter what I do. But it does matter. People are always watching. Always watching. You're out in the parking lot and you think no one's around. Somebody's sitting in their car. Somebody's getting out of their car. There's cameras on. There's people watching the security system. There's so many different things that are happening. People are constantly watching you. What kind of an impact will you have? Will it be a direct impact? Will it be a defying impact? And lastly, will it be a defiant impact or definite impact? That definite, that word means uh, to be clear, to be undeniable. In verses number 20, 29 for verses 32, you'll find out that that prophet had made such an impact on this man of God, this, this older prophet, that when his, he was dead, he wanted his bones to be with his bones. He says right here, and the prophet took up the carcass, verse 29, and the prophet took up the carcass of the man of God and laid it upon the ass and brought it back. And the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. And he laid his carcass in his own grave. He didn't go buy him a new one. He said, I'm putting him in mine. So he puts him in his own and they mourned over him saying, alas, my brother. And it came to pass after he buried him that he spoke to his son saying, when I am dead, then bury me in the sepulcher wherein the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. I believe there's a story in the Bible where some bones got laid on some other bones and some people come back to life. I, I, I believe that's somewhere in there, isn't it? 
You know what? I think there's still power even after an individual's gone. They can still have an impact even after they're gone. Dear friend, there's memories, there's things they've done, things they've said, ways they've impacted each and every one of our lives. But we see that he had a definite impact on this man. Uh, Romans chapter four, verse number 17 says, for none of us liveth to ourselves, and no man dieth to himself. Dear friend, if you, if you need something to hold on to tonight, just remember you were bought with a price. You're not your own. You know what? You say, well, I'm going to do it my way and I'll do it. I'll go out and do it like this. I'm here to tell you, and it's taken a little while and I'm hard headed. I mean, I am hard headed. I told you, I've got that rebellious spirit about me, but at the same time, God is working on me. And something that I'm learning is that, you know what? God's right and I'm wrong. You know what? It don't matter what I think. It's what he says. And so we see a, a, def, a, a definite impact. It's not about us. It's all about him. Paul was saying in Romans chapter number 14, he was saying, we don't live just for ourselves, but we live for the other people around us. There's constantly people around us. Those of us who have children and who have grandchildren, you know what? They're watching you every single day. You know what? You're going to have an impact on their lives. You say, well, I don't have any children. Well, you've got neighbors, don't you? You know what? You go to a job, you go into a store, people are watching you. There's people all the time that you can have an impact on. I, I thought about this even when we go out and we say something. When you go out and give a gospel tract, guess what? You're having an impact on someone. If you don't regularly carry gospel tracts, I challenge you to pick some up. I've got some, and I'd love to hand you some of these, especially if you go out and you travel very often. These are say thank you for your service. I love these gospel tracts because when you give someone a thank you, they just mind blown. I've never, and we've traveled the roads for three years now, I've never had somebody turn one down. Never once. I say, can I give you a thank you? What's this? I said, well, let's talk about it. <laughs> you know what? You have an impact when you have a gospel track. You know what? You, you leave an impact when you say, God bless you. You leave an impact when you pray with someone. Someone tells you they're having a hard time. Say, well, okay, I understand. Can I pray with you? You know what? That is one of the greatest impacts you can have on their life. Because right there, you are showing your faith. It's not, oh, I'll do it later. I'll say I'll do it, but you're really doing it. When last month, when we were going around, we were handing out those things, those gifts to those inmates. And it was a very, very, specific, very different kind of environment because we went into uh, uh, the protective custody units. And in those, uh, they would have four officers actually to open doors for us. So they would brace the door because the inmates are known to charge the doors. So they would brace the door and then they would crack it open so far we could hand the stuff in because they didn't have what we call a pie hole. And that's just a little tr uh, tray, a little door where the tray would go in. And so they would, uh, they would open it up just enough and they would let us hand in. But some of the most amazing things happen when they'd open those doors. I'd have guys say, um, we appreciate what you've given us, but can you, can, you, can you pray with me? Boy, that just, oh man, that just excites me. Person didn't care for the snack, they wanted the Savior. And you know what? That's what we need today. We need the Savior. You know what? We need to have a, de a definite impact on people's lives. Uh, God uh, so impressed on Jeremiah's heart that he would write in Jeremiah chapter number 20, verse number 19, then, said I, uh, then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any time in his name, but by his word, uh, but, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. I love that. You know what? He had an impact. God was having an impact through the word of God in his, he just had to go out and tell somebody. I, I, I wrote it down though. I, I wrote this down. I said, you know what? Truly, if you're born again tonight, if you're God called, if you're a Jesus serving Christian tonight, you want to tell somebody about Jesus. You want to tell them about what he did for you. 
I ain't got over it yet. It's been almost 16 years ago. It's hard to believe. Almost 16 years ago. I found out just yesterday I was at doctor's office. The young lady that brought me back there, I've had diabetes longer. She's been alive. And I was like, I was like, ma'am, how old are you? And I, I don't usually say that, but I said, and I told her how long I've had diabetes. She's 22 years old. I've had diabetes longer. She's been alive. And uh, needless to say, but anyways, you, you have an impact on people that are around. You know what? We should want to give the gospel everywhere we go. God changed my life 16 years ago. I was an old dopehead, drunk, uh, drunk, strung out, and God saved my soul. If he can do it for me, he can surely do it for you. You know what? If he, if he reaches down to the guttermost, and I was down in the gutter, folks, I think I was buried in the mud. I don't even think you'd have found me if you were looking in the mud. And God reached down, he wiped all that off and cleaned me up and set me upon the solid rock. You know what? I'm glad I'm born again. I'm saved today. I hope you are. You know what? You ought to tell somebody. You ought to be challenged tonight and say, you know what? I'm going to find somebody. Go tell Jesus about. I'm going to go find and tell them about Jesus. Tell them how he saved my soul. You know what? They may not want to hear you. Go find somebody else. Somebody's wanting to hear the testimony. Somebody's wanting the gospel tonight. You know what? Somebody you're going to run into tomorrow. You're going to have an impact on them no matter what. So guess what? You'll have an impact on your family, on your friends, on your uh, kids, on your coworkers. You'll have an impact on people. The Word of God has a, def a definite impact on our lives. We either accept it as the Word of God or we deny it altogether. People say, I won't believe it. Well, that's your choice. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. You'll sit before, a, you'll, you'll kneel before, not sit, you'll kneel before a holy God and have to admit He is God. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing, this story, because I'm not quite done yet. Let me finish off just what little bit I have left here. While he had a positive impact on the old prophet because he wanted his bones to be buried with him. There was a negative impact on this Jeroboam. Read on verse number 33. And after this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way. Jeroboam had been touched by the man of God. He had literally been healed by the man of God. He said, no, I'm going to keep going my way. Jeroboam's way would lead him to lose his child. Read that over in just a few chapters. You'll find out that he sends out his wife disguised into another town. And as she gets there, she wants to know, man of God, what's going to happen? He said, your son's going to die. You know what? Jeroboam would not only bring sin upon Israel, Jeroboam would bring sin upon his own self. You know what? He was getting worse and worse. And God would replace him as well. We read, we've already read about Josiah. Josiah is going to come on the scene before long. But the impact of your life at salvation completely changes your destination, does it not? No longer are you going to hell. Praise God. Somebody tells you you can go to hell, you say, no, I can't. I can't. I have people tell me that. I can't go there. You know where I can go? I can go to heaven though. And I praise God for that because he transformed my life. You know what? He saved me because I was going to hell. And he saved me from that. Years ago, in the, com the communist go government in China commissioned an author to write a biography of Hudson Taylor with the purpose of distorting the facts and presenting him in a bad light. They wanted to discredit the name of this consecrated missionary of the gospel. As the author was doing so, he was increasingly impressed by Taylor's sanctity, character, and godly life. And he found it extremely difficult to carry out his assignment with a clear conscience. Eventually... At the risk of losing his life, he lay aside his pen, renounced his atheism, and received Jesus, his personal Savior. Hudson Taylor's having an effect on him. He didn't even know who he was. They don't have to know your name. 
They don't have to know anything about you. All they've got to know is about him. As long as we point them to Jesus, we've got nothing to be regretful for, folks. Just keep pointing them to Jesus. Keep telling them about Jesus. I thought about, well, if we point them to Jesus, what would Jesus do? Well, what did Jesus do? There were some examples of some people that he changed their lives and had such an impact on. I thought about the disciples in Mark chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. Jesus was walking by the sea. He's walking by the Sea of Galilee. He hollers out to some fishermen, Peter and Andrew, and he tells them, he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You know what? He had an impact on their life. What about that maniac over there in Luke chapter number eight? The maniac that was cutting himself and that was screaming and that was naked and that was out of his mind. Scripture says the next time they see him after he met with Jesus, Jesus had such an impact on him. He no longer had devils in him. He no longer was naked. He was no longer roaming around in the tombs. You know what? He was sitting in his right mind. He was clothed. You know what? He was sitting before Jesus. What kind of impact will he have? Jesus had such an impact. I thought about this one. This one got me tickled. What about Lazarus? <laughs> oh, dear friend, Lazarus was dead. Jesus come along, said, Lazarus, come up. He said, come on up out of there, hither. Lazarus came up. Dear friends, Lazarus had, had, was impacted by Jesus Christ. I thought about one more individual. I thought about Paul. We know Paul is Saul. But until we met Jesus on the Damascus Road, it all changed. You know what? He was going out and he thought he was doing right because that's what he was trained to do, wasn't he? He was trained to go hunt those Christians down because they weren't following the Jewish law like he'd been taught. That's why it's dangerous that we teach people what we think we ought to teach them. We we'll teach them the Word of God. I'm grateful to be in a Bible-believing church that we get the Word of God. You know what? Because it matters. But Paul's life was transformed. Paul's life was transformed so much that he wrote 13 of the New Testament books. You know what? We wouldn't have them tonight had it not been for Jesus Christ, life-changing impact on the uh, Apostle Paul. So can I close with saying this tonight? Who are you going to have an impact on tonight? Who are you going to have an impact on at all? Who would you have an impact on today already? Just think back over your day. Did you leave a good impact? <laughs> Did you leave a bad impact? We're impacting everyone. You can say, you know what? I, I don't know that I did good, or I don't know that I did, get, did bad. But I thought about this. But if the Lord tarries his coming, you'll get to him and impact on somebody else tomorrow. If he doesn't take you to heaven tonight, tomorrow you're going to get up. And you may get a phone call. You may reach somebody. You may, you may stop at the gas station. I don't know where you're going to go. I don't know what you're going to do. You may not even leave the house, but you have an impact. You know what? You'll have an impact on somebody. So I leave you with this tonight. What kind of impact will you have? As we bow our heads tonight, I don't know who's playing or how, how it's going to close out tonight, but as we bow our heads tonight, I just want to ask you a question or two. Can you say you've had an impact on somebody today? And I think we all could. But could we, by a show of hands, could we, could we have a better impact? Could you lift your hand and say, you know what, I, I could have a better impact on somebody. You know what, I could have a better impact on somebody. You know what, I want to have a better impact on somebody. You know what? And that should be our desire tonight. We should want to have a better impact on somebody. We should want to live for the Lord in all that we do. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. And I thank you for being able to open your word. God, there's so much, Lord, that we can do. Lord, sometimes we think that we're not able to do much. 
I heard just this week as I read my aunt's testimony. My aunt that passed away had been sick with cancer, stage four cancer for the last little bit. And she led three people to the Lord, dying in a bed. And we think we can't have an impact on somebody. The nurses are paying attention. The doctors are paying attention. Our coworkers are paying attention. Our kids are paying attention. There's so many people paying attention to our testimony right now. We're going to have an impact on them. I've heard people say they won't go to church because of the pastor, because of the congregation member, because of whoever. They've been impacted. But I pray tonight, Lord, we would have the right kind of impact on some lives. God, we would have an impact for Christ. Lord, whether that would be a direct impact. God, we don't want to be a defying impact. But, oh, Lord, we want to be a, a definite impact. So I pray tonight, Lord, that we would be impacted by you tonight. And then we'd go out and impact other lives. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for being here tonight. God, I pray that lives were touched. God, whoever needs to do business tonight, God, I pray they'd make their way down to an old-fashioned altar and just say, Lord, tonight, I'm going to have a better impact come tomorrow. Not tonight, I'm committing it to you tonight. I'm not waiting till tomorrow. I want to commit it to you tonight, Lord. I'm going to have a better impact moving forward. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would help us as we move forward to serve you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.